0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Art Blog Radio. I'm your host for today, Wit Lopez, and I am absolutely excited to be sitting in the gallery at Pie Gallery, which is located at 242 Race Street in Old City, Philadelphia. Uh, coming up for First Friday in March, there'll be a show called Spring Up, and I have the pleasure of sitting here with one of the artists. Francis Beatty, Welcome to the show, Frances.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Wit.
0: So, I love your work. Your work is absolutely amazing. It is beautiful. I love how sculptural it is. The paintings are very, very sculptural and have kind of a 3D element to them. But also, what felt very show-stopping when I walked through the door was the sculpture on the wall. This multicolored, metallic, sculptural piece that is huge, takes up the entire wall, is five pieces together, and just pops off of the wall. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, And I would love to talk more about it. But
1: first, what got you into art? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to try to make this short and sweet, but I have to go (laughs) way back and share a little anecdote. Growing up in school, we had what was called Picture Study, and it was a small book, and in that book there were paintings of famous artists, and that's where I first got to see all the classics, all the artists that I needed to know growing up. So I always, that was my favorite class naturally, because all we would do is look at beautiful paintings and then there would be a quiz, and you would remember what that painting looked like, and you'd get to know the cl- the masters, Renoir, Michelangelo, all those things. So I'm gonna say it started way back when I was about 10 years old, but i it was never really cultivated throughout my life until I started to um, decide that later in life it was time to go back to that, it, that those memories never left me. And I felt that a calling to uh, connect with art on some level, but I know as where the seed was initially planted.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) That's really cool. I love that it started when you were a child, like still in grade school, Mm -hmm. so you had time to kind of get into it Mm -hmm. and build it along Mm -hmm. the years. So you mentioned before that you began a path towards architecture. Uh, So what got you moving toward architecture?
1: Well, believe it or not, again, it was after I had graduated from college. I was a teacher. I graduated with a teaching degree. And that was all well and good, but to be honest with you, um, when I was home with my children, I I still felt the urge. This three-dimensional calling was coming to me. And there was a community college near our house. And I decided to enroll in their architecture class that so I could take night classes. So I was I took that for a few years. Many interior design, history of architecture, drawing, perspective drawing. And my teacher at that time became what I would now call my mentor. We became fast friends. And he was the one that then started to encourage me to uh, pursue my art. But he also said that I had I had something. Now, who knows what that was, but I'm going to credit <laughs> it to, uh, his name is John Michael. He has just passed away. Well, I'm sorry um, to hear that. But I feel that uh, he's he's right there, uh, always supporting me and his wife. They were instrumental in helping me learn how to see, uh, something I didn't understand until I, kind of they kind of took me under their wing. Um, I never completed the architecture. I ended up getting offered a job in a cabinet shop doing their drafting and their um, shop drawings. So I was very proficient in perspective drawing and all of that and I loved that, the detail work and to be honest with you it was great because it paid the bills. And so there I was doing this drawing and never finished the architecture but did then become offered a job to become a kitchen designer. Now, who dreams about becoming that? But that's what I ended up doing for 35 (laughs) years, doing the drawings. And then I had to get into the Internet and learn kitchen design and interior design on the computer. So I kind of grew with the times, you know, I'm old old school from the drafting board and the pencil to a computer. So um, I'm kind of happy that I had to go through it slow like that because uh, I do have a total appreciation for people who can still draw with a pencil in their hand uh, but it also forced me to continue growing which is what um, we talked about a little bit that I felt I'm happy that I feel that I've continued to grow as I age and growing with the times and with technology and I'm trying to um, not miss out because I'm I'm only here once so I want to explore as many options as I can for my own growth so that's where the the art started to come from and the um, very first show that I had my two professors my mentors came and they said oh where's the price on your work? And I said, oh, oh uh, price? Who would buy this? And they said, we would. So they bought Aww. my very, very first piece of sculpture. Oh, that's so nice. I was so honored. I'm talking about it was a, uh, it, I used to find many junk pieces of metal, and I had this huge uh, piece of a baseboard heating element that I turned into a piece of sculpture, and they ended up purchasing it, and they they hung it in their living room. Aww. So. To me, that was, as we say, almost like dying and going to heaven, that somebody that I was in awe of would purchase something, you know. And I joked when I'd go to visit, I said, you, can, you don't have to put this up every time I come over to visit. And they laughed. and they, so, it was, so they really were the, the uh, important part of my life.
0: That's beautiful. That's be- and it's it's always really nice to have mentors who are supportive of mm-hmm. you. Not even just in the in the ways that they know you, like in the field right. where you right. you know first met, but also like into your growth and oh, shift yeah. too. That's mm-hmm. that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned how architecture and kitchen design kind of have an impact on the work that you do. Right. But how do you how do you feel that they might still play a role in your current practice in painting Mm -hmm. and sculpture design?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I feel that every time I start to play, and honestly, I consider it playing, uh, I I don't uh, sketch, I just immediately paint, but I'm always compelled to create a third dimension somehow, whether I build up the canvas with mixed media or gesso or paste. But I like to get my hands dirty, uh, and I like the tactile feeling, and I like uh, a big part of what I like to create is having things looking imperfect. Um, I'm a big believer in that concept of wabi-sabi, which is there is beauty in the art of the imperfection. Mm. That um, to me, it's more human, uh, not so contrived, so I always want things to look imperfect and almost a little bit unfinished. because I. Having studied different philosophies of uh, architecture, the Japanese philosophy is very, and I lean towards that, and you may not notice it, but I know internally I believe that, that when you look at a picture, there should you should always leave a part for the viewer to finish,
0: an mm. unfinished
1: area of a piece of work that the viewer can then create with their mind. And that's one of the things that my mentors talk to me about. And, and it kind of helps when you're deciding when you should stop painting to <laughs> leave. <laughs> it kind of helps, <laughs> but um, that's a lot of, of what I'm talking about. So that is where the organic and the imperfect and the nature, I'm very inspired by nature. Uh, I, I walk uh, on the canal in Manioc almost every day, and it's all about being with the trees. And nature and even in the dead of winter it's incredibly beautiful with the shadows and everything
0: so I I noticed in your piece that's called uh, puddle right it's kind of red and yellow paint mixed together coming onto the white canvas and then it looks like a puddle at the bottom so you don't see where the puddle's coming from. Right. So this what you just mentioned, the wabi sabi, mm-hmm. this unfinished quality that allows the viewer to kinda of imagine mm-hmm. where something is originating mm-hmm. or what else is not mm-hmm. pictured. Exactly. Is that
1: something that Exactly. Okay, okay. Exactly. That's exactly what I like to go for, that the per- the viewer's brain will be awakened or uh, jarred or what why would she do that? like leave it a question <laughs> mark you know, wh- wh- what's that about or where is it coming from? So then a way to create dialogue with the viewer by having something not there by we have this invisible conversation um, with some of the pieces and and I feel like in all of them I like to keep people scratching their heads like what why is that? and you know, and why is it it looks kind of like she didn't finish or it's pretty messy intentionally intentionally cuz we're humans i don't want it to look perfect i'm not perfect far from it <laughs> <laughs> so my work speaks of that and people get to know that about me maria when we were hanging something with maria the craybell the curator of this show she she was laughing cuz when i bring it in sometimes like oh it's fine i can just squish it into the car that creation that sculpture so it's like nature if you You can buy a beautiful plant, but you can crush it a little bit and it usually comes right back. And if not, sometimes it even looks better.
0: Absolutely, right. Absolutely. Um, so when I saw puddle in my mind, I imagined like someone pouring out of a ladle into it. So I love that you mentioned that you left that mm-hmm. opening so that there is a dialogue mm-hmm. with your viewer mm-hmm. to imagine part of the mm-hmm. painting too, and kind of also like a performance element mm-hmm. where they're kind of performing what else Correct. should be there. You know, Correct. I, I love that. Correct. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's really great. <laughs> Thank you for sharing Glad that. you got
1: it. That's great.
0: <laughs> great. No, that's awesome. So I do want to get back to that sculpture on the wall, which is honestly, I think it's the only piece that's actually installed right now. Right. right? Um, so for those of you who are listening, the show is still in the process of being installed. So many of the works are laying along the floor, along the walls, presumably where they're going to be uh, placed once they're up on the walls. Um, but the one piece that is currently installed is this giant, sculptural, beautiful piece on the wall. Can
1: we talk about that piece? Sure. It's called Primordia, which means organism. So at first glance, and I don't want to give it away, I think people will say, what is that organism? What kind of organism? Well, there you go. (laughs) It's whatever kind of organism you want it to be. And I just number them. And I feel it, it allows itself to have shadow because there are holes in the material. It's made out of screening. And I'm a big fan of using things with grids because grids, because of my architectural background, grids create third dimension, create shadow, and they're a little bit of mystery. And then and it's almost a happy accident, like when the screening lays on top of it each other you come upon something so for me it's it's also a little journey that I go on when I create the piece I don't even know the shape it's going to be I just start playing with it and manipulating it and I really don't know what it's gonna look like till I hang it up and and have some light cast upon it so each piece is a little private journey for me as well so that's why I like making those I've I've done them quite a few of them my very first one and crazy me I was commissioned to do it outside. So not only did I learn to make these interesting shapes, these organisms, but I had to attach them to a brick wall and not ever having a commission like that. It was quite a learning experience dealing with being outside in the wind and the elements. And, um, I grew from that and it was, it hung successfully. It was about uh, uh, like this piece is five pieces that had about 14 elements. Wow. Um, so it was a similar look, but um, it's, it's tough. I don't think I would, I'm not looking forward to hanging it again outside because <laughs> when you create, it's, a, it's kind of like hanging your baby outside on a wall <laughs> and you, and you hope that the baby can, that you've dressed the baby and taken care. <laughs> because once you, you know, you, Bring this thing into life, and then you put it out in the elements. It's a whole different feeling as an artist. So um, I laugh about it, but it, it kind of was like that. I had to go check the baby, make sure it <laughs> survived a big heavy wind, or it was up during the winter, and how oh, did wow. it look with ice on it? And it did fine. But boy, oh boy, did I learn from that one. But all—it's all good. All new experiences are all good for me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, I noticed your paintings also, like I, I said earlier, kind of have this 3D element to it, um, and which I think is absolutely beautiful. But in addition to your paintings, there were also some paper kind of pieces. Mm-hmm. I'll call them pieces. I don't want to call them mm-hmm. sculptures mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't know what you call them. But they're, they look like painted paper, possibly. Some of them are painted or maybe mm-hmm. some materials sprayed onto it Mm -hmm. uh, and they're inside of frames. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about what those are? Right. Well
1: these are um, a series that I did just recently in September. I was lucky enough to be in a residency with nine other artists in a town called Il Sortet in France and I was there for two weeks and knowing that I was traveling that far I didn't take a lot of art material with me. I only took some cotton rag paper called Cottee paper and I challenged myself to see what I could do with minimal materials and um, also being in an environment that I never was in so I each day I challenged myself to do three small 12 by 12 pieces but again I had this paper so I started ripping the paper, um, dipping it in water maybe a little bit of watercolor, different artists would say, oh, here's some of this. Would you like to try this? Kind of finding out what, how you can make art with very little materials and also going out in nature and gathering things and being inspired by nature. So again, um, it was ripping the paper. One of them uh, were printed papers. I dipped the paper in the pool. That That's we stayed in, And the pool, <laughs> and this is another one where I dipped them in the pool, which was a saltwater pool, just happened to be, and then I took these three papers, there were three of them, because I had to do three that day, and I pressed them up against these beautiful stone walls that surrounded the property, and let them dry in the shape of the rocks that imprinted on this paper. And when they were finished, I outlined them with some black, and they became kind of, Takeaway of, of a beautiful mountainous scene and little did I realize that was what was all around me. The Pyrenees mountains were all around me and here this was just from dipping it in the pool while I was swimming and okay, what will I do with it now? So I'm more about seeing what my material will do for me and allowing myself to let the material tell me what it wants. All a good experience and that's with the ripped paper. The one where you saw the ripped paper, I was ripping the paper and I would throw it on the ground. But one of my other artists came up to me, a wonderful Japanese artist, and he was, no, no, mm, no, you must use that. So, again, getting different viewpoints, different eyes, learning how to see even more, um, honing my sensitivity. The result of that residency, I have a 30 pieces of work. That's amazing. 30 pieces and they're all framed and they're kind of a personal diary of my 14 days. And that's how i like to look at it. It's a very um, personal expression, Um, not having my studio to back me up and all my goodies. I went there (laughs) kind of uh, without anything and just to see what you can create from nothing.
0: And you've created something really wonderful. So you mentioned that you you said you had to do three pieces that day, as in it was mandatory for you to do three pieces. Was that something that was outlined in the rules
1: of the residency? Oh no, it was just my idea. Some of the artists didn't do anything for four or five days. They would just sit around and relax. And I felt that I needed to be productive, because how often am I going to be in this beautiful old town and there, there were no distractions they they cooked all the meals for us so wow. i was in a perfect environment to just stay in art mentality and just kind of be inside myself so that's why i felt like i have to no not have to i actually wanted to it just kept coming out of me because i was in a perfect situation to experiment with all this paper and also to appreciate little works um you know, sometimes we people wanted to be big and shouting at you, but then the subtlety is what I realized I was coming upon. After a couple days of them, I said, oh, yeah, here we go. This is what I'll do. I'll make triptych each day. Now, listen, if there was a day I didn't feel like it, the next day, I didn't say, okay, tomorrow I have to. But it kind of turned out that way because I would be stimulated, oh, let me try it this way, this way. So for me, it was a it's very personal i feel like it's a a blossoming of me and like i said as i'm older you even wonder can you there's more blossoming to come
0: (laughs) absolutely absolutely and i i really love those pieces like they're they're really beautiful they seem to play with like light and dark right uh and because the pages are ripped or the Mm -hmm. paper is ripped you have the light around the edges and the dark towards the middle on Mm -hmm. some of them yeah um what were your choices in I mean, what were your ideas behind the choices of where to place color on those?
1: Well, again, it's, it's, that does come from my architectural training and my design training, that any good design needs to have a focal point. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a flower, you know, there's always a focal point. Like maybe it's the center, but it's not necessarily always the center. So I always make sure there's an area that's, uh, there's a focal point that's required and, and a place of interest. And then that empty place for the viewer, to decide to put themselves into the piece. So I feel like those are the three principles that I try to follow, and making sure that there will be shadows. That's it for me. And the irregularity and the ripping of the paper, I mean, some people, that would they don't want to spend two seconds looking at that, but then there are some people, the texture, and if you look up close, and it's just the fibers coming together, uh, an attention to detail that sometimes we don't take time for. It's
0: true. It's true. A lot of folks miss that. And I love, I love artwork that makes us slow down. Right. Because right. we tend to move pretty fast, right. you know, as, as humans, we we're mm-hmm. always go, 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 go. Right. But I feel like your works definitely give the viewer the opportunity to slow down and to kind of become part Of the work too. Thank you. By viewing it and Mm -hmm. by experiencing it, and also by like with your paintings, by also imagining another Mm -hmm. part to it.
1: Thank you.
0: So that's that's really awesome. That's really really wonderful. So the the thirty pieces that you made while you were at this French residency, or was it a fellowship? It was a residency. A residency. Mm -hmm. So the thirty pieces that you made. How
1: did you ship them back here? well remember they were just uh, pieces of paper. So once they were all made, we packed them up in a box and my other artists who spoke French fluently, fortunately, we marched ourselves off to the post office and we mailed them in one box. Oh, that's great. And they were just on the cotton paper. So I just packed them up with newspaper and they made it to the U.S., no problem. And then I put them into frames because that's when I decided, oh, it's going to be my little personal diary here, my story, mm. you know, and then it's a series. And I call it the Il Surtet series. Um, And it's also a way to encourage um, other people to look at things in terms of three, like even when you think, and I think three can be symbolic in a lot of ways for people, uh, the beginning, the middle, and the end. So I kind of feel like, oh yeah, that three was speaking to me. You know, it's kind of a story, the beginning, the middle, and the end. So I feel like it's still a complete um, statement. Now I feel like I'm not making sense. No, no, you're absolutely (laughs) making sense. (laughs) Right, absolutely. So that's how I felt, oh, that would be good. So, and it was funny that the pieces came. I actually was invited to go to France because I'm in a group called the Global Art Project. I belong to Mm. this group, and I had just been in a group show in Ghent, Belgium before that. Wow. Um, I I did a large piece, very different from Primordia uh, in Belgium, and, the, and some of the artists that were there were invited to go to France. None of us knew each other. So <laughs> on, that, on that alone, I knew none of these people. And after the two weeks with these people, I mean, I'm emailing these people every day sometimes, and we're gonna see them again. So it's something when it, everything is out of the way and you're just talking art, we became very um, intimate with each other on art levels.
0: Absolutely. That I could
1: say, what do you think about this? And they get it. So it's nice. Because you can't really find that. Yeah. You know?
0: No, yeah, that's true. And so I
1: had quite um, a lucky lucky happenstance last summer that things just went that way. Yeah. And I'll be participating in a few more shows. I'm going back to Ghent in uh, the end of May to oh, be wonderful. in another show they invited me to show again. And this global art project, I'm in a show called Crossing Borders. And that is going to be showing again in California. So I also like this because I I like to be around um, people from different countries. They have different viewpoints. Like I said, I need to continue growing and keeping an open mind about things and getting that dialogue from people. So I found this to be um, really exciting for me to have that influence and not just staying in Pennsylvania or the East Coast. you know, with the internet and things like this, there's no reason to not reach out. So that's what I'm about. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. And I love that. I love that you're mentioning
0: the idea of still growing. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes we think that artists who have really prolific practices, which I I consider your practice to be very prolific. (laughs) Uh, so, So for artists that have prolific practices that they are there, mm-hmm. you know. They they they're there. They don't have to go anywhere else, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that you're saying that your you as a person are still growing, oh, and okay. that your worldview is still growing, right? And that your and it's influencing your art practice so that right. your art practice continues to grow as well. Right. Right. Uh, I think that's really wonderful. Right. Right.
1: For me, they it seemed like that. the right path for me while I'm still healthy and. Um, I'm very invigorated to do it. And the worldview is so important um, for me. And it's not for everybody, but it it seemed right for me. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So I did have a question about your color choices, Okay. Uh, because I noticed that your paintings, which um, they all seem to be kind of on square Mm -hmm. uh, wooden Mm -hmm. palettes, I would say. Like a panel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a panel. (gasps) they have bright colors and there's some white in there as well, kind of like in the background Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. on a portion of it. But then with the paper, it's just white and black. And I know that you mentioned it's because you didn't have your materials that you usually have. Right. If you had brought your materials, do you think that the colors in the paper pieces would have changed?
1: I probably would have stayed with the natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think... For me, um, having those brights, the vibrant colors, um, no, I could have painted. The other artists were offering me paint all the time, and I was like, oh, I'm fine. I, I just felt like, oh, it was enough for me to just take in the textures and the natural colors of nature and keep it very um, soft. I don't know. I, I don't know how it might explain, but I, had a, I could have had any color I wanted, but... It wasn't my mindset, it was about peeling back the layers in, on myself, mm. almost like tissue paper, so I felt like it had to have a delicate quality to it because it was a personal journey, so there's an element of delicateness mm. for sure that I kind of came through. That makes sense, mm-hmm. and it and it
0: definitely shows, it mm-hmm. definitely it feels very delicate when you right. look at it. It's, yeah, because I want
1: it to be emotional, like it's a diary, absolutely. kind of like private. Mm. In, in some ways, uh, as close as I could be, get, and then the other pieces on the wood panels—they're a very different beast. You know, Absolutely. they're. But uh, that's how I am. You know, I can be—I can do delicate, but then there are times when I can't. All I want is a bright color, but I think color has to be used very sparingly and carefully. Mm. For me, the, you know, um, a color choice to me is a big deal. Like if I'm going to make something with red, I better make sure that I'm, I'm, that means that's powerful or strong. So each color to me kind of has a definition. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
0: so how do you feel that the two bodies of work are connected? What do you feel is a thread between these bold Mm -hmm. paintings that you have that are very brightly colored and then these, uh, Kind of understated, a little muted, yeah. but as you said,
1: delicate
0: mm-hmm. paperworks mm-hmm. that are black and white or shades of gray.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's probably it has to be my whole personality that mm-hmm. there's there's two sides to me, and mm-hmm. and maybe it's what you keep personal, like the delicate, and that you almost like the very colorful ones are the more powerful or more uh, confident, but not necessarily. So I just feel like it, it's all of these are emotional statements of where I was at that time. And I feel like at that time when the bright ones were being created, I was feeling the need for that, but they're all emotional expressions mm. for me. Uh, like some of them are called different things, uh, union, or one painting that's red, white, and blue union. So I try to put some kind of spin on the combination of color, but I think it is, it's just the two sides of me that that are there. I, some people, they always will paint in bright colors. Uh, but I don't know, I, I think of my emotions, I'm in touch with them enough that I want to sometimes stay soft and then other times I want to be bright. So it's just emotional, it's a type of therapy for me, honestly. I understand, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely understand. Right. Uh,
0: so with the piece that's on the wall, that beautiful, beautiful, wonderful sculptural piece, uh, what was your inspiration behind that? I know you mentioned that organisms mm-hmm. and kind of shapes from nature.
1: Well, it has that painterly quality of a Matisse or a Monet. Absolutely. There is the painterly quality um, that honestly, look, I love to paint and I could paint I, if I wanted to. So I wanted to have that, that watercolor feeling to it, uh, but also nature. Uh, but the reflective quality again that comes onto the the, the walls from lighting is nice. But it's also uh, the delicateness again mm-hmm. of this screening. People have asked me if it's a tool like that they make. That was my from. first thought. Yeah, people thought it was that material, and so I it's again it's kind of uh, the contrast to material so I have this it's metal screening but it looks like it's soft material so it's kind of a a play on your brain like what Mm. is that it's a hard material but it's coming across with a soft dialogue it's speaking softly it's acting softly but it's a hard material so that's a lot of what I like to do use I use odd materials and like try to transform them. So that's what this was, picking something that's hard and making it have a different uh, emotion, a different look. It's amazing. <laughs> thank you.
0: Everything that's here is well, amazing. Thank you. Your work is really brilliant. Well, thank you. And I hope that people will flock to come see it here at Pi Gallery on March 6, during the opening reception. So for those of you who are listening, the opening reception, as I said, is Friday, March 6th from 5 to 8 p.m. The show will be up through March 28th, so even if you can't make it to the opening reception, you have time to come see this amazing show at Pie Gallery. Again, the address is 242 Race Street in Old City, Philadelphia. Uh, The hours of operation here are Fridays and Saturdays from 12 to 5 p.m., and other days are by appointment. So make sure you come to see Spring Up before it comes down. And thank you again to Frances Beatty for sitting here to speak with me on Art Blog Radio today. And thank you to Maria Craybill, the curator and manager of the gallery here, who's doing really amazing and wonderful work. Thank you again, Francis. Oh, thank you so much, Witt. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. It was a pleasure speaking with you and learning more about your work. And for those of you listening, have a great day. Enjoy yourselves. Bye now.